0: To the simple, to the simple truth. You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel.
1: The Jewish Supreme Court put Jesus on trial. They started bringing false testimony and accusations against Jesus. They had paid off the judges, they had paid off everyone. They had gotten these guys to falsely accuse Jesus. They had done all of that. But nevertheless, their case was falling apart. Everybody say falling apart. So here they think that they've stacked the deck, but the case just seemed to fall apart. As we
0: cling to the simple. Can you imagine willingly choosing to undergo tremendous suffering and torture in the place of someone who hated you, your greatest enemy? That's essentially what Jesus did for you. Today on The Simple Truth, Pastor Dion continues unpacking the last days before Jesus went to the cross. As you pick up in Luke 23, Jesus is being framed by the Jewish ruling body for crimes that he didn't commit. Jesus knows fully what's to come, the pain and humiliation that he'll have to endure, but he presses on for your sake. Now, here's Pastor Dion in the book of Luke, chapter 23, with today's edition of The Simple Truth.
1: Now, guys, throughout the New Testament storyline, we've been realizing that Jesus exposed the high priest and the religious leaders. He exposed them as, here's the word, everybody say it out loud, what? Poser. Say it again. Posers. Posers are people that look like they are something but are really something else. And Jesus during the storyline exposed the religious leaders as posers. Kind of like the saber-toothed blenny fish. The high priests and religious leaders were a lot like the saber-toothed blenny fish. The saber-toothed blenny fish lives in the Indo-Pacific Ocean. And here is how it actually poses. See, the saber-toothed blenny fish looks exactly like a cleaner fish. Everybody say, cleaner fish. A cleaner fish is actually a fish that it's no bigger than a soda can, but it comes along and it actually removes parasites and lives off the parasites on other fish. So the cleaner fish, you know, whenever it's invited by a larger fish to eat the parasites off of its body, For the bigger fish, it's like a spa treatment. You know, that cleaner fish goes to work and it feels like a massage. And the fish, the larger fish, feels rejuvenated, revitalized, refreshed. Everybody say, ah. That's what the cleaner fish does. But when the larger fish is deceived, thinking that the saber-toothed blenny fish is a cleaner fish and unknowingly invites it to give him a massage, the saber-toothed blenny fish gives the big fish a couple of bumps, you know, just to let it know it's going to attach. And the bigger fish kind of just leans over that one muscle that it wants, it kind of just leans over so that it can start its cleaning. And then that's when the Jaws theme music starts. And the saber-tooth blenny fish then takes a chomp. Everybody say, chomp, takes a chomp out of the belly of that fish. The saber-tooth bites off a sizable chunk from the soft underbelly with its razor-sharp vampire teeth. And while it is chewing, It makes a sushi joke. It says, that's how I roll. Everybody say, it's criminal! criminal. Not the joke. The saber-toothed fish! It's criminal! Say it again. It's criminal! It poses as something and then does something completely opposite. Well, that's exactly how the high priests and the religious leaders rolled as posers. They wore the colors of God's appointed helpers, but their actions were far from helping God's people. In fact, the religious leaders' activities included racketeering, extortion, price gouging, and blackmail. Yeah, they were doing those three things. The religious leaders were eating away at the underbelly of God's people, bullying them abusing them, victimizing the poor and the helpless. And there's another thing about these religious leaders. These religious leaders were a, everybody said out loud, a non-profit organization. What I mean by non-profit is that they executed prophets or priests or anyone who opposed or exposed them. So these religious leaders were posers wearing the right colors, supposedly supposed to do a certain job, but they were doing something completely opposite. They were taking advantage and abusing and victimizing the people. And they were a non-profit organization. Throughout the history, these priests had stoned prophets. They had murdered those who opposed them. And now in this chapter, they're plotting to kill Jesus, who is far more than a prophet, was the son of God. Everybody said out loud, who? The son of God. The high priest and the religious leaders, what they did is they arrested Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Jewish Supreme Court, or what's known as the Sanhedrin Council in your Bible. The Jewish Supreme Court put Jesus on trial. They started bringing false testimony and accusations against Jesus. They had paid off the judges. They had paid off everyone. They had gotten these guys to falsely accuse Jesus. They had done all of that. But nevertheless, their case was falling apart. Everybody say, falling apart. So here they think that they've stacked the deck, but the case just seemed to fall apart. The witnesses started contradicting each other. People started saying different things. And they were in a panic, in a frenzy, as this whole case was going sideways. That's when Jesus confessed that He was the Son of God. Why? Because Jesus didn't want to be released. The mission was the cross. To die for each one of us so that we wouldn't die in our sin. So even though the case against Him, the prosecution was going sideways, Jesus actually throws wood in their fire. He actually incriminates Himself calling Himself the Son of God. Because we were the reason. The cross was the mission. In fact, here is how Jesus Himself explained it a few hours before this trial. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, read it with me. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you and me. So Jesus didn't want to be released as the case was going sideways so he incriminates himself yes, I am the Son of God. The religious leaders called Jesus claim to be the Son of God. Heresy. Everybody say the word. What? Heresy. They tore their robes. They they, they covered their face. Everybody said, They did that. Heresy as Jesus said he was the Son of God. So they called him guilty, and sentenced Jesus to death. But we learned last week why they didn't execute Jesus. At that point, it would have become them to take Jesus outside of the city gates and have stoned him. That was their capital punishment. But they didn't. Everybody say, why? And we discovered last week why. Because they would get dirty. Dirty. They would be considered unclean. Say the word out loud. What unclean? And if they were unclean, they would not be able to participate in the biggest party of the year that was about to happen, called Passover. So here they have finally get what they want. They've in, Jesus has incriminated himself. They have found him guilty. But they don't want to kill him because they'll get their hands dirty and not be able to participate in the party. So the religious leaders took Jesus to the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, to do their dirty work, to put Jesus to death. A show of solidarity is what they did. The entire Sanhedrin council led Jesus to the Antonia Fortress, that is, the Roman courtroom, and and all of them, all this Sanhedrin council, filled the courtroom with support for uh, the prosecution. 71 judges against Jesus filled the courtroom of the Antonia Fortress basically so that they can you know basically sound out or noise out anybody else that would oppose their votes so here's pilate he walks in there's 71 members of the religious council in solidarity bringing this prisoner so that pilate could put him to death in fact the religious council even lied to pilate about the charges against jesus They said, this man is breaking Roman law. Here's Luke chapter 23, verse 1. This is exactly what they said. Then the whole multitude of them, the 71, then arose and led Jesus to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, we found this fellow perverting the nation forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ a king above and beyond Caesar. <gasps> Everybody do it. <gasps> so Pilate is standing there looking at this house full of priests in solidarity bringing this one man, you know, a prisoner to, for him to condemn him and kill him. But Pilate knew these religious leaders too well. So he pulled Jesus away from the bullies and interrogated Jesus privately. And during the interrogation, it was, it was insightful. But Pilate realized that Jesus is not a criminal. Jesus didn't do these things that he is accused of. And so Pilate came out with Jesus out of that private interrogation and he announced, Jesus is innocent. He said, I find no fault in this man. And everybody should clap, yeah, right? Because hey, Jesus is, hey, he's innocent. But, everybody say it. But the high priest and the religious leaders wouldn't take no for an answer. Basically, they're saying, hey, Pilate, the tribe has spoken, and it's time to snuff out this guy's light. Do it! We're the tribe. We're telling you what to do. In fact, let's read it. Chapter 23, verse 4. So Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no fault in this man. But they were the more fierce, everybody say fierce, you know what fierce is, right? Go ahead, do it like that. Do it to your neighbor. All right? So they were the more fierce, saying, he stirs up the people teaching throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee to this place. He has been infecting this whole community, all the way from Galilee, all the way to here. The more fierce, really pressing their case. Pilate realized that this case could become another political nightmare for him. Everybody say another. He realized real quick this could become another political nightmare for me. You see, the same religious council had created political problems for Pilate before this. When Pilate was riding into Jerusalem, to assume the post of governor Caesar had sent Pilate. Pilate actually was looking for a Senate seat in Rome Caesar told Pilate, if you want to be on the Senate you need to go to this place of the world where they already had so many problems if you can bring peace in Jerusalem then you can get a Senate seat so Pilate is on his way in to Jerusalem. He is with a Roman entourage. He is about to assume his post. These very Sanhedrin religious guys stopped Pilate at the city gates and told him to leave their Roman crests, banners, and flags outside of the city because the Roman eagle was considered to the Jews to be an idol. The same group of 71 guys came out and told Pilate, you're not coming in because you're carrying those banners, that crest. That is idolatrous. You're not bringing it in here. Leave it outside. Pilate did it anyway. I'll show you who's the boss. I'll show you who's the governor. And he rode into Jerusalem with the crest, the banners, and the flags. He even took the crests into the temple mount. Everybody say it again. <gasps> Sacrilege to the Jews. <gasps> Idolatrous. And so the Jews revolted. They declared a jihad against the Romans. The uprise upset what was called the Pax Romana. The Pax Romana was... A covenant a peace plan that the Romans imposed here was the thought Caesar thought I want all the people in my empire to be happy with the fact that I am Emperor and that they are ruled and controlled by Rome I want it to be peace so we'll do it with an iron fist but there should be no uprisings and they had done it well until now The Jews were revolting against Rome. The uprising was upsetting the Pax Romana, and it was upsetting Caesar. Caesar was livid, and he told Pilate, that's strike one. Everybody said, that's what? That's strike one. Kind of like the story of the newlywed couple on their honeymoon in Europe. They arranged to ride horseback through the scenic mountain road. Doesn't that sound romantic? The wife's horse was skittish when she tried to mount So her husband gently held the horse's bridle, looked into his eyes, and calmly said to the horse, that's strike one. Once she was mounted on her horse, the horse fought the reins and wouldn't let her lead. Again the husband gently held the horse's bridle, looked into his eyes, and calmly said, that's strike two. A few minutes of riding they had been on their way the wife's horse reared up with her on it the husband dismounted walked up to the wife's horse and said that's strike three pulled out his revolver and shot the horse the wife was irate what's wrong with you because that's what wives say what's wrong with you why the heck did you kill my horse That's when her husband looked into her eyes and calmly said, that's strike one. (laughs) Caesar told Pilate the same thing about the uprising. That's strike one. Say it again. What? That's strike one. These religious leaders had got Pilate in trouble with Caesar one time already. Then sometime later, because the water in Jerusalem was bad, Pilate started the plans to build an aqueduct from Solomon's Pool near Bethlehem all the way to Jerusalem. Five and a half mile aqueduct. But, everybody say, but, it was an expensive endeavor and it wasn't sanctioned by Rome. Therefore, there was no government funds for it. So Pilate raided the Jewish temple treasury and the sacred gifts to finance the job. The Jews were outraged. These same religious leaders in his court were outraged. They started a riot, and both Jews and Romans were being killed on the Temple Mount. Caesar found out and told Pilate, "That's everybody say, strike, what? you got to say it with some Italian flair, though. Sirica, too! Right? So now, these same religious leaders are demanding Pilate kill Jesus, who he knows is innocent, and it's getting heated. Do you realize the tension here? Do you realize the predicament? So Pilate doesn't want to be their puppet, but he doesn't want to tick them off. He doesn't want to just say, okay, I'll kill him. Because, you know, he doesn't want to be their puppet. But he doesn't want to tick these guys off. Because <sighs> that would be strike. Everybody said. So Pilate was hoping for a way out. Then one of the accusers in the passage we read, he mentioned Galilee. Everybody said what? Galilee. If Jesus is a Galilean, he needs to be tried in Galilee by a Galilean governor who is named Herod. Everybody say it out loud. Who? Ha, ha, ha. Let's read the passage. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked if the man were a Galilean. That's Jesus. And as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, He sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at the time. Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he had desired for a long time to see him, because he had heard many things about him, and had hoped to see some miracle done by him. Then he questioned Jesus with many words, but he answered him nothing, and the chief priests and the scribes stood and vehemently accused him. Then Herod, with his men of war, treated him with contempt and mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him back to Pilate. That very day, Pilate and Herod became friends with each other, for previously they had been at enmity with each other. So we'll stop there. So, they're accusing Jesus in front of Pilate. All 71 judges probably had already been coached. Listen, when we go take Jesus to Pilate, nobody, nobody mentioned Galilee. Nobody mentioned Galilee. Got it? And then they got heated. And you know how it is when it gets heated and your emotions get up there and you say stuff you shouldn't. Look at your neighbor and say, I think I know who he's talking about. And somebody said, he has brought this poison. And he's been spreading it around this indoctrination, this global conspiracy. He has brought it all the way from Galilee to here. And Pilate said, Galilee, Galilee. Did somebody say Galilee? Is this man a Galilean? Pilate got his out. So he sent him to Herod. Now, this Herod that is stated, this was Herod the Great's son. Herod the Great was the one who killed the babies after Jesus was born, trying to eliminate Jesus. That Herod the Great, this was his son named Antipas.
0: Our time with you is coming to an end today on The Simple Truth. We're so glad that you joined us for Pastor Dion's teaching in the Gospel of Luke. There's much more to learn from this narrative of Jesus' life, so we hope you'll tune in again. If you're listening in the Española area right now, we'd like to extend an invitation for you to join us for our weekly services at Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. Come by at 9 or 11 a.m. to spend time with us in worship, Bible study, and fellowship with one another. We also meet on Wednesday evenings for a Bible study beginning at 7. You'll find directions and more information about Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel when you visit tmcalvary.com. If you can't make it in person, you can still join us virtually through Facebook Live. Just follow the link to our Facebook page at tmcalvary.com. And tune in this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. While you're at our website, you'll also be able to access our archive of previous teachings on various books of the Bible by Pastor Dion. Just click on sermons at the top of the page to open our audio archive or visit our YouTube page to experience the service through video. Feel free to share these links with anyone in your life that you think would benefit from hearing the simple truth of God's word. We're so glad that you joined us today on The Simple Truth. We encourage you to read ahead in the book of Luke and discover more about Jesus and what his life and ministry means to you. Then join us next time for Pastor Dion's continuing verse-by-verse study right here on The Simple Truth. So let us join our hands, and together we stand.